Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the broadcast this morning. We have a special guest pastor in the studio with us, Pastor Alan Burrow from King's Congregation. So glad you're here, brother. Great to be here. You're actually one of the founding members of the Reformation Alliance. That's pretty cool. I am. It is cool. You make <laughs> it sound like it. he was a founding member and is no longer involved. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. no, very much. Emeritus. Founding member emeritus. <laughs> and as usual, we have the, the, the regular crew minus Pastor Phil. Um, so it is... I'm worried that we've deeply offended Phil, and that's why he's no longer showing up. But. Maybe we should confront him on the air. <laughs> That probably wouldn't be a good idea. Phil no, there's nothing wrong with Phil. So don't don't think that he has actually, um, uh, he asked for a prayer today because their church is going through some pretty fun stuff. And so we miss him, but we'll see him next time. Anyway, so it is it is Reformation Month. And uh, Reformation Month is, is always great uh, because uh, we get to remember 500 years ago when the Protestant Reformation took place. And so uh, we're going to start a short series where we're just talking about the important parts of the Reformation, not only historically, but but theologically. So let's just jump right into it. Brothers, um, why did the Reformation even happen? What is the historical context leading up to this huge historical event? What you have historically is that the, the Roman Catholic Church had uh, a whole host of significant issues that they were, were involved with, um, a lot of abuse. Um, uh, immorality, um, abuse of offices within the church, selling of offices, um, plurality where priests were, were supposed to be in charge of a congregation but weren't present. Um, but you also had uh, an abuse really with regard to um, the word of God. They, they did not believe that, that the common people could be trusted with God's word. Um, you had a lot of priests that were illiterate, um, so there wasn't good teaching going on. Um, and then you had abuse of power, um, the, the papacy um, and primarily the pope within that um, was was more concerned about materialism and some of the building projects that were going on at the time of the Reformation. And so there was just overall abuse and um, immorality and a whole bunch of covetousness and, and all of this going on. And it really though the Reformation became theological, a lot of the underlying concerns at the time weren't theological. It became that over time. And some had addressed the abuses and some theological concerns. So you've got the forerunners, Huss and Wycliffe and um, Peter Waldo are the probably the main three that people remember the names of. And they had addressed both the abuses and some of their concerns with Dealing with Mary or dealing with purgatory, dealing with um, whether the word of God should be in the hands of people so that you kind of have a both and going on. And there was 
there was something tied in there with what Russ was saying. There was something that precipitated all these issues really coming out, and that was the return to the original manuscripts, the return ad fontes, getting back to the source. For hundreds and hundreds of years, the Bible in, in, in the western part of the Roman Empire, which was pretty much all of western uh, Europe, uh, had been the Vulgate. The Latin translation, you know, in the 300s, largely done by Jerome. And nobody was looking back at the original Greek or Hebrew. But the, with this movement uh, in the in like the 1400s to get back to the original manuscripts, they started looking at the Greek again. And there were a couple of significant just mistranslations in the Vulgate. One of them is when the angel Gabriel appears to Mary in, in the Gospel of Luke and says um, to her, um, Hail Mary, you know, recipient of God's grace, one upon whom God's favor and grace has been bestowed. Whereas in the Vulgate, it said, Hail Mary, full of grace, as though she's a source of grace as opposed to a recipient of God's grace. The other one that was really significant was in Matthew 4, where it says that Jesus went around and began to preach, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And repent, of course, means to have a change of heart, have a change of mind, turn back toward God. And of course, that's going to work its way out in the fruit of your life. But the way the Vulgate translated that was, do penance for the kingdom of God is at hand, which fed then into the whole priestly penitential system that became uh, so much of a part of the Church of Rome uh, by the time the 1500s came around. Mm. Okay, so um, real quick, I may, maybe just one thing you said, it wasn't like the immediate cause of the Reformation wasn't so much theological as more abuses and, and immorality. Totally agree. The reason why essentially the Reformers later went back to those theological underpinnings was because that was the root of the rotten tree, right? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't the immediate cause. Theology wasn't the immediate cause of the Reformation, but it certainly was the root cause of it. Yeah, so if you go back and read Luther's 95 Theses, you're not going to necessarily find a ton of theological concerns um, within there. He was really dealing with abuses within the church, pastorally concerned about how the church was treating the, the flock. But if you if you fast forward just a couple of years, and I can't remember the number of theses that Zwingli wrote, um, what was it, four years later, five years later, and almost entirely those are theological concerns. Right, and maybe maybe just to accentuate this point, so fast forward a, a couple hundred years, uh, William Wilberforce, when he looked at the slavery in England, one of the things that he said was that the reason why England has slaves is because they don't believe in justification by faith alone. And this is a principle that Jesus teaches in, in Luke about the, the, the Pharisee and the publican, those who think that they're righteous in themselves. That's a theological thing. Hold others in contempt. And so at the time of the Reformation, you have all these abuses. And the reason why is because the theological root of the tree was absolutely rotten. Okay, so fast forward then um, to the 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 95 theses we basically recognize that as it's kind of the start of the reformation what, what was happening there jonathan well uh martin luther wanted to have a theological debate or have wanted to have a de debate and so he actually published that and in, in latin posted it on 
uh, the Wittenberg church door, 95 theses, you know, first one was all of life is repentance. There is a series of them speaking, wanting to get this debate going. Well, uh, students of his took the took those things, published it abroad. It actually sparked um, a Tra- great translated of, it into German. Yeah, yeah, translated it into German sparked uh, sparked in a sense the Reformation. People going, uh, yeah, something's wrong here. Was Luther trying to start a new church or a new denomination at that point? No, he he didn't have at all in mind what actually happened. Uh, as Jonathan said, you know, the church door. And that day was like the community bulletin board. So it's not unusual. All kinds of things were posted on the church door. And what he wrote, he wrote in Latin, which was the academic language. The common people couldn't read that. He was trying to have a discussion within the Church of Rome among the theologians about, are these things right? Let's get back to Scripture. Again, uh, some of his students got it translated into German, got it to a printing press, and then it went out to the people in a language they could read. Yeah. And so it touched off the powder keg. Now, since I belong, since I'm in the ghetto reform denomination in the room, <laughs> uh, maybe for the lowbrow reformers, like a really great movie, uh, Luther, uh, um, Just it's just called Luther. The actor is Joseph Fiennes. Though it's on the level of pop culture, it actually does a pretty good job of capturing some of these historical events. And I think the historical moment that you have to know is Germany was struggling economically and the Church of Rome was coming into Germany trying to raise funds for St. Peter's Basilica and spending an enormous amount of money on this this project and absolutely fleecing the flock, guilting them into giving over the, the little resources they had um, to fund this um extravagant um, building project. And that was really at the heart of, of Luther's anger. And they did that like, by, sell, by the by selling, selling of indulgences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really quick, what's real quick, what's an indulgence? Well, one of the, uh, John Testel was going around and actually saying, as soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. So you have some problems there. One was this belief in purgatory that somehow, uh, you know, which is, Different from what the scripture says, the scripture says it's appointed unto a man once to die, and after that the judgment. So you have a, a problem in an understanding of what happens, uh, you know, there. But they, they were simply selling uh, a piece of paper that said, um, for this much money or for the, these things, you can um, actually limit your time in this netherworld. So purgatory is just a a moment in time that the Catholic Church teaches that people go after they die in order to become pure enough to make it into heaven. And so you serve so much time in purgatory based upon your life, your works in life to, to, to compensate for any bad deeds done. And an indulgence was a way to speed up the process and pay down the, quote, debt that you had going into to purgatory. So Luther wrote the 95 Theses in response to Tetzel's selling of indulgences, sparked off this big firestorm. How did Rome respond at that point? What came next? Really, at this point, there's no response. Okay. They believe that Luther is just a drunken monk, and once he sobers up, everything will be fine. And that was in that was in fifteen seventeen, yep. but by fifteen twenty one, they do make a response. 
Yeah, in the meantime, Luther is growing and, and maturing in his faith, and he is reading the, the Word of God, and he is publishing some pretty substantial works um, during that time period between 1517 and 1521. And those have begun now to not just attack the, the what I would say, the peripheral abuses of the church, and now are dealing with the theological um, concerns and abuses of, of the church. And so now... He's no longer dancing on the periphery. He is now attacking the very core of the teaching of the church, and the the church now is saying no, no, no more. And ultimately, they uh, the pope excommunicated Luther. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you pointed out, that that Luther was writing these things in German as well, which was a massive, a massive uh, a change because the, the the. the Latin language was for the scholars and for the theologians. And when Luther translated to German, he basically opened up the whole world to this debate. Well, and this is a, this is a historical part of it too, because there was a printing press and, uh, you know, until that time, everything had to be copied by hand. Now you have a printing press. And so uh, these things can be published uh, widely. You know, it's just like our lives have changed with the internet. Their lives changed with the printer printing press. And so uh, they had a more immediacy about the the information that they were receiving. It wasn't mediated to them. Yeah. So as a result of this, they had the Diet of Arms for worms, if however you want to say it. Um, and at that point, um, Luther is asked to recant and to deny what he's taught, and Luther is unwilling to do so. Um, and that really becomes the the substantial divide, the point of no return. Um, where they're going to become two separate institutions. Yeah, he came came to understand that the dividing line between him and Rome was not the papal authority or the sale of indulgences or the existence of purgatory or even the place of tradition. The fundamental difference was found in how the gospel worked, on what basis was a person justified before God, and that was where he was, that's where it was all driving to. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Gospel for Life. We're going to continue this series on the Reformation. October 31st is... Reformation Day, and uh, we will see you next time.